Terevetua Oletean Sen Kovan Paskan, the podcast that puts your first world problems into perspective. What the fuck was that? What language was that? Uh, what do they speak in Singapore? That was Finnish. Oh, <laughs> that I didn't was, know. That was me attempting to botch Finnish. I take it. So it's welcome. You've made it to tough shit. I'm sure everybody knows that. Yeah. Didn't we have one listener in I No. No? <laughs> no, Germany, maybe. That's close. I don't know. I'll have to it? check it again, but... Uh, Anyway, well, you've made it to the show. Is that the surprise you, you had? You, yeah, that was it. Yes, Two times made it now, to Corey's shit. told me that he's got a surprise for me. And I was really excited. And I guess that was it. That I let you down? No, I liked it. Okay, good. Did you write that down or did you remember it? I wrote it down. And it's not written down like you write it in Finnish. I had to write it out as you pronounce it. Oh, they don't have those little dots <laughs> yeah. that go over the U's? Yeah. <laughs> no, oh, an umlaut? No, no. Uh, yeah, we're your hosts. I'm Corey. I'm Corey. No, you're not. I'm Chris. I'm Corey. I'm wearing shorts. Well, yeah, that's good. And half your socks yep, are on. Corey's got a rule that I don't take my socks off in his house because my feet look like a pole. pile of trash yes. that's been caught on fire. So I got my socks half rolled down. <laughs> Do you see them? The I don't want to see them. They look like an uncircumcised sock penis. foot. No. See? Oh, you have dick foot. Yes. That's so, great. Like a half on Classic case of dick foot. Okay. <laughs> What are we talking about today? Well, today's topic, being at uh, the month of love with Valentine's Day, which it is Valentine's Day as we're recording this, today's topic is dating. And I I think that's why I'm so hot and bothered. This is the first time we've recorded that I've had to put shorts on and take my socks off. You're so worked up about talking about dating. I'm very warm. I'm also wearing a black shirt. I don't know if that has anything to do with heat inside. No, and the windows are pretty covered. So Okay, I guess it's just me then. Yeah, that is just you. Yes, so we're talking about dating, love, romance, all that good stuff. Happy well, Valentine's Day, the, Corey. The dating itself, happy Valentine's Day. Yes. I got a flower from Corey today. He came to my house this morning with a rose. <laughs> I did. I, I'm married I, to a woman. <laughs> the only reason I bought it was for the picture. But anyway, dating is a struggle as old as time, for the most part. It's... uh. Well, well, I don't want to say I, as old as time. I want to say in developed time. Yeah, it's not it's as a, it's, old as you'd think. Yeah. I mean... I, I got a hunch you're going to tell I me some things am, I've learned a lot. Oh, boy. I, uh, and let, us, let, let me also say that there are not two less qualified people to talk <laughs> to about anyone dating? about dating. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, if you if you stumbled across this, like oh maybe it's a dating oh, advice maybe, show, maybe they're gonna like, have some advice. Don't, don't listen no. to anything we say. <laughs> nope. In doing the things that I do now, I thank God that I am a married man because <laughs> I would be completely helpless. Like Mandy comes home, I'm, I'm researching this. I'm doing a lot of reading about dating, and she comes home. I got headphones on. I'm listening to Black Tiger Sex Machine. I'm like got weird. I got seeking arrangements up on my laptop <laughs> she doesn't care yeah you know, yeah so i'm just imagine trying to explain that to your first date no <laughs> like, I'm, I'm writing a story for our podcast listening to some edm and uh having a green tea <laughs> like the fuck? taking breaks to read ship of magic i just <laughs> and and then in in kind of getting into like i i was very intimidated by how dating works now I don't really understand. Well, uh, that's uh, 
getting into the complaints uh, in the modern world with dating, and a lot of it kind of goes toward online dating, but still, it holds up the the things range from, you know, your dating app crashing or getting ghosted or completely stood up on a date, which yeah. happened before, getting catfished, where, you know, talking to a smoking hot chick and turns out to be a 300-pound guy who's into diaper fantasy. That's catfishing? Yeah, when you convince someone you're someone else. I didn't know that. Yes. <laughs> I figured you wouldn't. No, I... Uh, or you just you straight up got to deal with a bad date, or they're a jerk or a cheapskate or whatever. You know, you've had bad dates. On that note, have you ever had a bad date? Several. Or, okay. Actually, well, I shouldn't say that. I Awkward dates? Excuse me. It's been... Excuse me. Um... Well, yeah, when's, the, when's the last time you went on no, a like date? Like you're boy, I had a bad date, and here I am burping <laughs> across the table at you. It's been a, a decade and a half. So, yeah. I mean, I was a kid, and I mean, I can remember high school. It's just, it'll Awkward, come as yeah. no surprise that we were not considered prizes, Corey and I. <laughs> what do you uh, mean? Fucking terrified of girls. Yeah. Absolutely horrified. And and then there weren't there weren't any distractions. Well, there were there, there were distractions, but you had to worry about Twitter or not Twitter. What's the any t- social Tinder? media? Tinder. Yeah, that's Tinder. a dating app. Um, any of that shit. I mean, we MySpace was, that was kind of in the end of high school. Starting. I think it um, just started. So I can't really relate. I rem- I guess my horror stories would be a lot of Valentine's Days alone. Actually, not alone. <laughs> if I remember correctly, I spent several Valentine's Days with you at the Mason Jar, this old restaurant that I used to work at. Corey and I would go to dinner on Valentine's Day. <laughs> this would be a deal. <laughs> You'd get a deal. It wasn't, oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. And there uh, was real couples in there trying to have a nice Valentine's Day, and us assholes are sitting. We were a real couple. We just kept our pants on. But I can specifically. What, the other patrons didn't have their <laughs> pants on? No, I mean afterward. Um, I can specifically remember, and I don't know, I think it was on Valentine's Day uh-huh. when 51st Dates came out. Sounds right. We, we, Didn't we so go to it? We, we were going to go to it. <laughs> we would go to a movie every single Sunday. It didn't matter if oh, yeah. we'd seen the movie already. It didn't matter if we didn't want to watch it. We would go to a movie every Sunday. Yep. So, yeah, it was it was one Valentine's Day. Everyone was busy, you know, because they had girlfriends. And <laughs> Corey and I were going to go see Fifty First Dates just because it was an Wanted Adam Sandler movie. movie. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was a friend of ours, Phil, who said, guys might want to rethink that. And we did. Yeah. I remember touching hands once with you. And over, oh, a, over awkwardly a... reaching for the spitter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or or the, the well, we had a cup with, what we get? Mr. Pip. Oh, there would be... And we would cut, like, there'd be three or four of us, and we would all Sometimes cut a slot. Half a dozen of us. Uh-huh. The, there'd be six straws coming out six, of one cup. Bunch of cheap fuckers. Six, <laughs> six poor-ish kids who could all pitch in for one pop. They're just well, yeah. Pops uh, at the movie theater are goddamn expensive. Forty dollars. Always for a have cup been. Of pop. No. Well, maybe not that much. Uh, so but, that's that's your horror story yeah, with I dating just, Valentine's Day. Yeah, I, okay. I'm and I'm I'm over all of this. I I have one that was, I mind you, I haven't had to go on a date in almost a decade now, but about it would have been yeah 10, 11 years ago, I just started dabbling into online dating and it was an adventure to say the least so i got a date plenty of fish 
Yes, right? I was on Plenty of Fish. Yeah, I know that one. And this was before, you know, Tinder or Bumble or any of those popular ones now. Uh, but <clears throat> I, I went on a date. It was 45 minutes away. Because mind you, we live in the middle of nowhere for the most part. Uh, pulled in, <laughs> pulled into the wrong driveway. Uh, several driveways. And I finally, I, I meet this girl. And she's like four foot five tall. She she was a little oh, deceitful. A Do you remember this story? Yeah. Um, so she shows me her apartment, and I finally find it after I'm calling. I'm like, "Yeah, I'm in your driveway." She's like, "No, there's no one here." And I'm looking around, and there's people standing on this porch looking at me, like, "The fuck's this kid doing?" So anyway, I do find it, and I go to her apartment, and she has a pet ferret, which whatever people have those. I go in and she's like, oh, here, check it out. And just hands me this pet ferret. And I'm standing there holding this thing. Like, they the fucking hell? stink. Yeah, they do. I was like, what the hell do I do with this? You know, and I'm like, oh, that's neat. And <laughs> right as she hands me this thing, she has those, you know, those wall mounted air fresheners that go off every hour or something. Like in an outlet? No, they, I think it was battery powered. Okay. But anyway, she had one of those. And because she's so short, it was pretty much mounted at like face level for me. So I'm standing there holding this pet ferret, and that thing goes off, sprays me right in the face. <laughs> I got a face full of air pressure. <laughs> holding the goddamn pet ferret. So I, I wipe off and whatever. So put the, put it back, and we're like, oh, let's go to lunch, you know. She offers to drive, and she has dogs. Did she, did she have her license? She okay. had a license, yes. Offers to drive. We get in her car. It's like a death trap. I mean, it was like. Rattling and falling apart and was, shit. Was he sitting on a couple of phone books? Or? Pretty much. Okay. And it was like covered in dog hair. She had two dogs, I think. Uh, and we go to lunch. And we, you're just making small talk. Just met each other. We met each other online dating. And she starts telling me about a family member of hers that she suspects has been murdered and they haven't found <gasps> the body. Like, I'm like, damn. Like, that's kind of awkward. <laughs> makes me feel like but she couldn't say like oh they've been gone for a, a long period of time and i assume with the people they hung out with they were murdered i'm like holy shit wow. so we had lunch which i will say that was the first time i ever had a euro so i'm oh, grateful for that yes. uh so we leave and we go to a local reservoir and the dogs are playing in it and whatever and i the date that sounds like the sort of place you would take a body so, so we leave i we, we get done i leave and because it was so far away the area i had to drive through was a dead zone for cell service and the whole time back she was texting me and i wasn't getting these texts because uh i didn't have service and by the time i got back to where we live i look at my phone and it like gets service and all these texts come through it's like was it that bad of a date like <laughs> She thought I was ignoring her. Oh, like, my God. No, I couldn't respond. So it was a very awkward experience. She was a nice girl. It, it only had the one date, but it was just such a weird experience. So that was a an odd dating That's situation. That's good. I remember that. And yeah, At least to, looking back, I get a laugh at yeah. it now. And I try not, you know, I'll try not to pick on her because I can look back, and pro we were probably a couple very awkward and uncomfortable dates ourselves. Oh, so absolutely. Leave her alone. Um, yeah, I, I don't have anything specific other than spending several Valentine's days with you. With me? Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, that's great. Oh, and before we get into the stories, 
if you're still listening to us and you would like to know more about <laughs> we, we do. I tried to get this out first, but we something got sidetracked. We have an Instagram. It's at TS Podcast Official. Check it out. On that note, I'm done with my personal story. Are you done with yours? Yes, I'm completely finished. Do you want to start your actual story? Yeah. <laughs> you want to get it over with? I want to get the it over with. the same boat as me, yeah. This. So, if nothing else... Um, uh, this is this is gonna be a lesson to me to from now on pick one story <laughs> uh-huh. and talk about it. Don't yeah. pick everything. I mean, I I tried to put a hundred years of dating history into twenty minutes, and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. So this is this you're going the, into this with a little caution. Yeah, the best way I can describe my story today is it is the Spider Man three. Of amateur podcasting, <laughs> I went in. Where's the Sam dance Raimi scene? Spi- <laughs> See, I, but I went in with good intentions. Uh-huh. I had way too many. Well, I guess villains. Well, well, maybe you'll redeem it with "Drag Me to Hell." Oh fuck yeah! Yeah, yeah he really did. And Tobey Maguire is not a fucking badass. Spider Man no. Three was an awful fucking movie. Yeah, I agree. This is this is like my story today is like a cliff notes of the book I got most of it from. If it was like Cliff Notes written by a uh, 12 year old with ADHD, <laughs> it's just kind of all over the place. Okay. But I learned a lot and I'm ready to talk about it. I actually did. I, uh, <clears throat> I've been giving these titles. Mm-hmm. So I called this one The Birth of Dating Put Through the Grinder. Oh, hmm. Get it? Okay, yeah. There's no E in Grinder? Oh, Grinder. Yeah. Grinder. Yeah. Grinder. Grinder. Yeah, okay. the dating app. Well, I think you have to kind of see the lettering because if you say the word grinder, I think of like a meat grinder or something. Oh, kind of is a meat grinder. Grinder. Grind- I learned a lot grinder. about current dating apps. Seeking arrangement was the most fucked up one, I think. Hmm. You, ever, you ever heard anything about that? Uh, a little bit. It's like, it's for sugar daddies and sugar yeah, mommies yeah. looking for sugar babies and vice versa. And it is specifically of- targets college age girls a lot of a lot of sugar and sweetness then huh yeah well they're <laughs> no that's not it's yeah it's very i've had trouble getting what the difference was between that and prostitution but uh, some whatever. of it's fine line you might anyway, learn a little about that in a bit here i had some question i have a feeling i know where you're going so yeah. i'll just i'll keep it all right so, okay on so, with it so we're gonna try and uh get an idea of what uh what dating is his short history of it at least in the u.s yep and uh yeah get ready to get confused two dudes watching 50 first dates together well that's just that's just you and me okay let's go <laughs> so dating isn't what it used to be i've heard this and read this i don't know how many times in researching for this episode and at first jumping into the subject of dating i was 100 percent inclined to agree i've been so far removed from the dating game for so long that trying to wrap my brain around what dating is now feels impossible. Attempting to understand just what dating is in the age of smartphones, social media, and now add to that a global pandemic is intimidating, frightening, and really just makes me want to run away and never go near it again, which was exactly how I felt about talking to girls 20 years ago. <laughs> and, my, and my approach to the topic will also be largely the same. Me, alone in a room, reading a book. As an, as an outsider looking in, 
current dating practices look like science fiction. I feel like Brendan Fraser in Blast from the Past when he finally leaves the bunker. I feel confused. So okay, sure, dating isn't what it used to be, but dating has never been what it used to be. Dating, as we think of it, isn't even really that old a concept, and it's never been just one rigid thing, though it does sometimes lead to rigid things. Oh, like penises. Yes, exactly. Okay, you had to, erect you had to penises. I'm glad you clarified that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> puns are funnier when you have somebody explain it. <laughs> oh, that's the dick part. <laughs> <laughs> Dating can mean something different for different people. And it's managed to roll with the punches and change with the times incredibly well. What dating, is, what dating is often depends on when dating is. What dating looks like is a reflection of whatever time it finds itself in. Whether it's shop girls fishing for husbands in department stores, hookups at speakeasies during the roaring 20s, skyrocketing teen pregnancies amidst the going steady era... <laughs> get into that all right uh skyrocketing stds brought upon by the free love movement by the way the more i read about it's really gross yep um, uh the hippies all that the like 60s that yeah. era yeah yeah, yeah uh, pretty gnarly so yeah uh free love movement in the 1960s although that is not the first free love movement it's like there was a big free love movement in the 1860s in the u.s damn um, to, i think it was, was it ellen mackey i got to look up this woman uh she was the first woman to ever run for president on a free love oh, okay. um, platform. Anyway, okay. <clears throat> um, or the very business-like approach to love that yuppies adopted in the 80s. How we date has never been a permanent formula. As love, romance, and relationships affect nearly every human being on the planet and have done so for thousands and thousands of years, the stories of romantic distress are literally endless. Everyone has had at least a handful of heartbreaks or dates that have turned into embarrassing nightmares you never want to think about again. So I had trouble trying to pick just one horror story from dating's past to put into perspective just how good we've got it now. If current daters even really have it that good now, uh, the argument could be made that the endless dating slash hookup apps have made things far more complicated than is really necessary. So... Instead of focusing on just one dismal date, we'll be covering a few of the major touchstones of American dating over the past hundred-ish years. And by the end, that'll be like 50-ish years, because that's how far I got in the story. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so you made it into the 60s. That was about it. Yep. yep. <laughs> Good. That's, so, that's far away from mine, yeah, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> so this episode is going to have a lot in common with speed dating. We're going to meet a bunch of different people, learn only very little about them, and probably be disappointed by the time it's all over. Either way, let's get into it. Grab your Altoids, check your pits, and hold the onions. It's time to make out with history. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> that was swell. You like that? That's good. Uh, as I said, dating is a relatively new phenomenon, so anyone you hear griping about traditional values and courtship doesn't really have a leg, to, a leg to stand on, unless they really are talking about a time of arranged marriages, dowries, and essentially selling your children. Dating, at least in the U.S., didn't come about until the early 20th century. Before that, people got together in some pretty head-scratching kinds of ways, though. Maybe not every father was selling his teenage daughters off to 45-year-old men, but pre-20th century courtship could get pretty fucking weird. Um... <laughs> I'm going to cover a couple of them, but whew. Uh, for a long time now, 
it's been very common for young men and women to go out together unsupervised as a pair or maybe with a group. Yeah. Uh, like when you went out on Rumspringer there, right? I'm not Amish, right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, barely over, barely over a century ago, this was not the status quo. Boys would come calling on a young lady. And if they were allowed into the home of the girl, they would be watched over by the girl's parents or younger siblings like hawks, making sure that the young couple didn't tear free of their two dozen layers of undergarments and start making babies right there in the living room. <laughs> now, this isn't to say that all 19th century folks were prudes or that the parents weren't sympathetic to their children's raging hormones. Premarital sex was by no means uncommon, but it was highly discouraged. Uh, parents had a variety of methods at their disposal to try and keep their horny little brats from going to pound town too early. It's, <laughs> it seems like they were... what they <laughs> said back in the day? Yes, that's exactly what they said. It's just a colonial family. Now, I want to tell you, kids can't be going to pound town while we're not in the room. Where's pound town, Dan? <laughs> How did, I, was that colonial? I, I was it a yokel? A yokel. <laughs> Yes, that's what... All right, so... I'm the one who read about this. That's what they used to call sex okay. in colonial times. In colonial Pound times, town. it was Pound yep. Town. All right. Yeah. It was right next to Jamestown. All right. <laughs> so parents had a variety of methods. Oh, my God. Okay. It seems like there were two major camps. Those who encouraged foreplay and other small hacks as a kind of allowance to keep the youngsters from going all the way... And those who weren't above actually putting their teenage children inside of large bags that were then cinched around their necks to prevent wandering hands. Seriously. <laughs> really? Separate bags. I know it sounds like it was one bag. Like they were Separate just bags. thrown in a potato oh, sack. Yeah. I'll get into it. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. Well, think of the, the whole body condoms from Naked Gun, but yeah. we had a burlap. <laughs> or what? <laughs> That, that would be like the dry humping Olympics, you know. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll get Just into dry humping. Oh, boy. Uh, okay. So it's, <laughs> it seems that a girl uh, whom Benjamin Franklin had been courting had parents that belonged to the former camp. The founding father would later claim that the girl's parents pushed the two of them to mess around with one another before marriage. Hmm. And that was not uncommon, I guess. As oh. long as they weren't, like, Banging, yeah, they could, yeah, do other shit. Go. Whatever you could do inside of a bag, use your imagination. Uh, rub it. <laughs> yeah, that needs to make a comeback. What rub petting? Rub bags. Oh, it's caught here. I'll get it hurt when I got it down here. Um, now the latter camp went in the extreme opposite direction to prevent early entry among young couples. The bags I just mentioned were called bundling bags, and they work exactly like it sounds. If the unmarried couple in question were to share a bed, then they could be put inside a cloth bag, which was then sewn shut so that only their heads stuck out. If the sex-crazed young colonials in question were a little more trustworthy, then a bundling board would suffice. A bundling board was literally just a board put on its edge that divided the bed in half. Imagine a ping-pong table, but the purpose of the net wasn't to be volleyed over for points, but there, it was there to prevent one side's paddle from sliding over to the other side of the table and getting the other paddle pregnant. <laughs> that's, that's how a bundling board works. There's even more. You could have worked in a different, a balls flying joke there. Well, so. I was trying to work in a, a scoring joke. Yeah, okay. And, oh, this is just a story full of missed opportunities. Uh, <clears throat> there's even more, including cording tubes or cording sticks. 
But maybe we can get to that later. So just remind me later to tell you what a courting stick is. Okay. Um, before I get distracted. Uh, in the meantime, let's jump ahead to the early 1900s, specifically a major or major U.S. cities like New York, Chicago, and San Francisco, where what was to become traditional dating was still in its infancy. In a nutshell, what permanently drove America away from courting and calling traditions of old and into the warm bed of what would become dating was young working women. The early 20th century saw an enormous influx of women looking for work and finding it in cities. For the first time, unmarried young American men and women found themselves living in very close vicinity unsupervised. As I mentioned earlier, calling on a girl would probably net you some awkward conversation and stern glances from her father, who would somehow manage to shoehorn himself and the rest of his brood into the tiny kitchen with a nervous couple, then get you sent home with a case of blue balls and maybe some leftovers. As more and more, <laughs> jobs, as more, and more jobs became open to women, calling was no longer the only game in town. The turn of the century march towards dating was led by young women who had become known as charity girls, or ready to put your earmuffs on, or by those who very obviously disapproved of them, charity cunts. That was the, that's what they called them. Yes. Wow. Yeah. It depended on what, like, if you thought they were cool, they're just like charity girls. If that was did. in the U.S.? Yeah. Really? Yeah, we haven't quite, hadn't quite gotten the, like, the part in our history where we shook the very casual use of the word cunt <laughs> the English. Well, that's my challenge to you. Bring back the bundling bags Bring and the <laughs> common use of the word cunt. <laughs> Get in the bag, you cunt. How <laughs> <laughs> the accent's getting worse and worse. I gotta get better. Dad, Dad told me, he's like, you really shouldn't do that accent when you show. It's like, nobody's listening from England. Wait, uh, I don't think. Uh, maybe. Uh, maybe I think I saw New Zealand. I, can't I don't do know. I got a Kiwi accent. Okay, so <laughs> let's get beyond that. Okay. For charity girls, dating was more a way to supplement high living costs than it was a source of romance. Yes, populations in cities at the turn of the century were, explo were exploding. And yes, a good chunk of that populace was working class women. But wages that, the wages that these women earned were definitely not on the up and up. Coming up with rent was hard enough. Uh, scraping up enough dough to then also cover groceries, clothes, and other necessities would sometimes seem impossible. So here's where the date comes in. In exchange for accompanying a man. Excuse me. In exchange. <laughs> How's this date going? How many times I burped going... in this microphone? <laughs> no, you were just belching on. Why don't you pound some more of that oh seltzer water before I you like start? seven of them today. Okay. Uh, so here's where the date comes in. In exchange for accompanying a man out on the town for the evening, charity girls expected the man to not only pick up dinner and drinks tab, but also to take them to a local butcher shop or a grocery store to pick up some much-needed provisions for that week. So it was just a really practical thing. They couldn't, you couldn't really afford to live in a city on the wages they were making, so this kind of helped. This concept, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it helped out. Um, now, even though a charity girl's evening was much more likely to end with a side of ham in a paper bag rather than slamming hams in a shifty apartment, <laughs> these, these girls were often mistaken for or seen as a kind of prostitute. Yeah. Yes. They were, <laughs> they were after all, uh, young ladies exchanging their personal company and time for food and goods that they maybe couldn't afford on their own. It's a fine line, as a legit prostitute is also exchanging her company as a way to survive. It ought to come as no surprise, then, under these circumstances, that no shortage of charity girls were arrested while out on dates. And not all the girls arrested were technically charity girls. 
Some of these women were just in public spending time with someone whose company they enjoyed. That's right. <laughs> so you, if you're just hanging out with a dude, you could have got scooped up thinking you were a charity girl yes. or prostitute. It's insane after like reading about all this stuff, how many things you could get. You could... I'd be nervous to leave the house. Like, I'd be nervous to walk <laughs> to a store. You're nervous to leave the house now. I know. But you could get arrested for anything. It was insane. So, like, okay, that's right. You could have, at one time in America, you could have been arrested for being out on a date. Wow. At, yes. At least the woman could be. Um, men were typically left alone by the authorities. Charity girls may have spent the first decade or so of the 20th century getting shafted by law enforcement, pun 100% intended, but... <laughs> It wasn't long before dating and courtship once again began to change shape and adapt. Charity girls eventually uh, evolved into shop girls who fought tooth and nail for employment positions that would essentially put them on display in front of as many male suitors as possible on a given day. Jobs that shop girls might apply for would include counter girls at department stores, uh, receptionists, uh, or waitressing gigs. Mm -hmm. For shop girls... Especially those working various counters in department stores, employment was less about the job and more about putting themselves in as public a space as possible in order to attract a husband. There's like fishing Just, for a man. Really? Yep. Like Usually marrying up. No shit. They were being like, exposed to, to men that maybe they wouldn't typically have been. It's like the early plenty of fish, but like plenty of seers. Like, oh, the department. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I. I started getting into video dating a little bit, but I just didn't have time to put yeah. it in here. But, uh, okay. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> for shop girls, uh, yes, so they're just kind of putting themselves out, trying to attract their husband. Uh, this practice was not a hidden motive among department store employees that managers were blind to. Mm -hmm. uh, Macy's actually had a weekly gossip newsletter that went out to employees putting the trials and tribulations of the counter and shop girls' love lives front and center. Ooh. Yes. Scandalous. Yeah, it was called Sparks. Seriously. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> That'll get you a sexual harassment charge. Oh, yeah, can you imagine days? that now? I was explaining it to me, and I said, that would be like if her employer uh, were to put out put a out gossip <laughs> rag about for the seven or eight girls she works with every week. Uh, Which, I mean, we got that well. now anyway. Yeah. But, yeah. Okay. If a gentleman lingered too long at a perfume counter or seemed unusually interested in the latest ladies' pats or scarves, it'd be a safe bet that the encounter would make it into the following week's issue. Ooh. Yes. Uh, <laughs> shop girls didn't just run the counter where they were stationed, but were often seen as examples of the effectiveness of whatever product it was that they were selling. Shop girls were often done up in whatever their particular counter offered, be it uh, perfume, jewelry, scarves, hats, or the newest trends in makeup. They were the image of the it girl. The it girl being on top of the latest fashions and thusly found to be the most attractive, or, you know, most attractive by men. <clears throat> if you would like to put it, and this is real, uh, if you would like to put a face to what an it girl of the 1920s looked like, do a search for the 1990 NBC adaptation of It. Now open another tab. I'll wait. <clears throat> and look up the 1927 movie It. The uncanny resemblance between Tim Curry's turn as Pennywise and Clara Bow as a 20s It girl has brought me so much joy. <laughs> if you are ever feeling down, 
Just picture Pennywise the Clown yakking it up at a perfume counter with a gaggle of 20s flappers all cruising for dick at a Macy's. Or just watch Below Deck. That's real. Afterward, I will show you that. When I found there was a movie called It that was put out in 1927. Uh It was black and white. But they they do the the covers of these movies would be, you know, the face and all painted up and like a lot of color. It's fucking Pennywise. I'm serious. (laughs) No shit. Awesome. Oh, that's great. I'll show you. Okay. So, and with that, let's move on. Please. (laughs) We're almost there. Uh, (laughs) We are going to gracelessly skip all of Prohibition (laughs) because speakeasy shenanigans are an entire episode all on their own. It's awesome. It's madness. It's just great. Um, So, that and in typical fashion, I'm already not going to get to half of what I originally wanted to cover. (laughs) So, let's fast forward a few decades and see how mid-century American youth responded to their raging hormones. As a white middle-class man in his 30s, I can only picture 1950s courtship as the enchantment under the sea dance from Back to the Future, and there is some truth to that interpretation. The shape that dating took on in the middle of the 20th century is often referred to as the going steady era. At this point, most high schools and colleges had been co-ed for a couple of decades now, and the form that dating had taken on was uh, most often called serial monogamy. Um, serial monogamy is essentially what most of us probably think of as dating now. Uh, That's like your love for Captain Crunch, right? No, it's different. I don't like Captain Crunch. Oh, Crispix. Oh, yeah, I love Crispix. You have serial monogamy for Yeah, Crispix. but you know what I'm having right now? Hmm. Uh, knock off Honey Nut Cheerios. <laughs> and Mandy's been getting oat milk. You've been getting your Honey Nut, huh? Hmm? Yeah. Wait, onward. Okay. Get anyway, serial <laughs> monogamy is essentially what most of us probably think of as dating now. You would go out with a person exclusively for a time, but know that eventually you would wind up seeing someone else. You were shopping around, uh, trying things on, looking for the right fit, or taking a test drive. Of course, keeping a car overnight probably involves less dry humping, but you're still not 100% committed. You're just feeling things out. Going steady, or serial monogamy, was actually encouraged by parents and religious leaders. It was kind of seen as practice for marriage. Of course, sex was absolutely forbidden. Oh, which, yeah, 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 okay. Which isn't to say that it didn't happen. Uh, it did. A lot. Regardless of what parents had to say or how close to the pulpit kids sat at church on Sunday, teens in the 50s were down to fuck. Even, like, look at some graphs. Of teen pregnancies. Really? Throughout the 50s was like... Way no. Way higher. <laughs> no shit. Way, way higher. Even the promise of eternal damnation and unending torture in the fiery pits of hell wasn't enough to keep pants on and skirts down. Teen pregnancies in 1950s were alarmingly common. Much more so than they are today. Yes, unmarried couples are closer to the norm now than was the case half a century ago, but a lot of those marriages were the results of shotgun weddings. Ah. Yes. So parents and priests were oftentimes asking kids to go against nature and do the impossible. So when they fucked up and they were forced to wed and spend the rest of their lives together, I mean, why wouldn't that work out for Uh, a teenage kid? Yeah, why, yeah. I don't see... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No issue with that. (laughs) So in an effort to combat the urge to procreate while still in high school, parents, teachers, and clergy tried a variety of methods. Instead of condoms, schools would saddle kids with infant simulators or fake pregnant bellies. I don't think that's actually what they're called. That's I, all I could find. 
Well, remember you know the, talking about? Uh, well, even when we were in high school, they did the flower babies. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Paper bag of flour. Yeah. And you had to like be delicate with it. And I mean, that was early on. And then later they actually had the like robot babies that were fucking terrifying. Yeah. And would oh. just go off in the middle of class. And... I found some now. They're over a thousand dollars for oh, one yeah. of them. It's insanity. Yeah. And it records. I mean, the reactions and how you hold it and yeah. stuff. Where yep. If you fucked up in the middle of the night. I'll never forget being in kindergarten <laughs> and riding the school bus and watching a kid who had a flower baby. Drop it. He threw the fucker out the window <laughs> of the school bus. <laughs> threw it at a road sign. <laughs> Fucking exploded. <laughs> That's burned into my brain. That was oh, awesome. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he, I don't think awesome. he passed. <laughs> I think he failed that section of home act. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Uh, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's well, that, just yeah, fantastic. It, it was before, it was back when all the kids rode the bus. Age five to age eighteen. Yeah, you got an early get education. Ride yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. right. Yep. Because it went by age. Yep. Front to back. Oh yeah, yeah. You didn't <laughs> sit in the. If you sat in the back when you were young, you were a cool. You learned a lot. <laughs> yep. Okay. So yeah, they'd say all these kids with uh, infant simulators or fake pregnant bellies to discourage any early hanky panky. Petting was encouraged in lieu of going all the way, saving the virtue of young ladies, but at the same time ruining a lot of pants. One thing to remember about the Going Steady era is that efforts to keep love, dating, and romance as lame as possible wasn't the status quo everywhere. What I've just described is more a portrait of, like, the white, middle-class nuclear family. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> if you had survived high school without getting your sweetheart knocked up and found yourself single in maybe New York, San Francisco, or Chicago, there was fun to be found. You just had to know where to look. This was a time before singles bars. That wasn't a thing. Um, a lot of establishments wouldn't even let a woman inside without a male escort. So anyone looking to really let loose had to turn to the outcasts, the people who had been having a great fucking time for a long fucking time. The first... <laughs> uh, all right. The first drag shows began at the Hamilton Lodge Number no. 7 in Harlem in 1869. Damn. Yes. Wow. Long time ago. Decades before charity girls dared accept a gift of groceries from a suitor, men in Harlem would adorn themselves in wigs, dresses, and scarves, and dance and sing for crowds of cheering fans. Drag balls, jazz halls, and gay bars offered refuge to those on the fringes of society. Drag balls, which just still makes me laugh. All right. <laughs> Drag balls, with their spectacle and showmanship, eventually became popular amongst all sorts of folks, not just gay people. By the 20s, drag shows in Harlem grew, grew, drew crowds. Speak, Christopher. Drag shows in Harlem. Words are hard. <laughs> drew crowds from all five boroughs. Gays, straights, men, women, black and white, starved for the outrageous, flocked to these shows. The typical gay bar, however, had to remain hidden. So, mirroring what we've gone over so far from the early 1900s through the 50s is a very different story of love and dating. Homosexual relations were illegal in the United States at the time. Like I said, everything was illegal. Oh, yeah. All of it. <laughs> While eventually drag shows were largely ignored by law enforcement as they were more a form of public entertainment, being gay in the early 20th century was very dangerous. Especially early on, gay bars had to fly under the radar, and so did their patrons. Where shop girls would dress in ways to garner as much attention as possible, gay men would dress with subtle clues as to who they really were that only other gay men would pick up on. 
A red bow tie uh, may just seem like an eccentric or bold fashion statement to most, but to those who are looking, it might mean something else entirely. Now, doesn't uh, Ronald McDonald rock a red bow tie? Well, you figured it out. <laughs> that was my big ending. No way. Yes. I'm sorry. No, I, did. I never, <laughs> I, I, I never I even thought about it. I don't know. I really don't know. I forget about McDonald's. I think he does. Anyway. He does. Does he? Yeah. I think so. I'll look it up while you talk. Okay. <laughs> Good to know you're listening. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So, uh, in the buildings that house gay bars had to remain similarly hidden as well, acting almost like identity speakeasies. Like I said, in the beginning, these bars were a safe place for people who weren't accepted for who they were anywhere else. Eventually, though, the popularity and normalization of the gay bar began to grow among straights who were looking to get out and have a good time without having to spend their evening in a stuffy restaurant. Gay patrons at these establishments tended to be more accepting of a variety of different folks looking to get out and meet people. Gays, straights, blacks, and whites could be found at gay bars. The coming out of the gay bar was also the birth of the singles bar. You'll like this. Okay. I don't think I told you this already. I don't know. No bow tie on Ronald. Okay. So, so he wouldn't, he wouldn't have been there. <laughs> Maybe part of the drag show yeah. he would have. Okay. So believe it or not, the first real singles bar was also the first TGI Fridays. When Alan no way. Yes, this is legit. Wow. Real. Uh, when Alan Stillman opened the first TGI Fridays in 1965, the idea he had in mind was to start a gay bar where everyone was welcome. That's right. The precursor to the overpriced, lame family restaurant chain that we know today was a singles bar modeled after gay bars with the initial purpose of getting its proprietor laid. And that is why he started it. Like he, really? he lived, he lived. So this is on the Upper East Side, 1965 in New York, and he lived in an area uh, fairly well to do. Mm-hmm. Lots of stewardesses. Oh, okay. Having some trouble, so he's like, "Fuck it, I'll start a bar." So open a bar, yeah. Yep. And it worked really well. It was a huge success. The bar became so popular that on weekends, police would have to shut down the block on the Upper East Side where the bar was located to traffic because people lined up into the streets to get in. Wow. Mm-hmm. From here, with the invention of the singles bar, the surge in the gay rights movement, and the slow death of the going steady era, <clears throat> and the beginning of a second free love movement, like I said, the second one, Okay. Um, American dating was at a turning point. The second half of the 20th century would bring us a horror of romantic conflict and tragedy. Hippies, oceans of venereal diseases, the AIDS epidemic, some truly terrifying BDSM, and yes, yuppies. <laughs> however young professionals and any oh yeah yeah and if you're looking for a like a nice tight ending to this story today we're look elsewhere <laughs> however like a bowl of spaghetti falling out the window fuck me everywhere a fucking flower baby flying out of a bus <laughs> however all that and more will have to wait till a later episode as i've already gone way past myself allotted time limit for today and have barely scratched the surface of the first half a century of American dating. I'm going to leave you with, okay, so this is what I'll leave you with. Okay. Just to kind of make up for just kind of abruptly stopping, because I do want to come back to this. Okay. Because there's a lot of shit I left out. I didn't get the speed dating. which well, Yeah, there's a ton of, so you stopped in the 60s. I know. Yeah. And like, there's, oh, that started as a Jewish dating service, the first speed dating. It was only for Jewish people. Really? Yep, and well, it kind of like, snowballed from there. Like J-Date. 
exactly. Or Jay Swipe. That uh, probably something. I, they had a J swipe on Letter Kenny, and uh, I did. <laughs> I had to ask man. He's like, "Is that real?" I was like, "Yeah, it's real." <laughs> the fuck have you been? Uh, but yeah, yuppies. I want to get into yuppies. I didn't know that there's a bunch of different types of yuppies. Okay, I'll, I'm gonna leave you with this. So a yuppie is a young, upcoming professional. I always think of the uh, the family next door in. Uh, God damn it, uh, Christmas vacation. Those oh were yeah, yuppies. they were yuppies. Yeah, Julia Louis Dreyfus. Uh, yuppies, mm-hmm. uh, puppies. Can't remember. Think it was pansexual upcoming professionals. Uh, okay. Guppies, gay upcoming professionals. Bluppies, black upcoming professionals. There was uh, an entire uppy thing. Yeah, yeah. Chuppies. Wow. Yeah. Which is Chinese upcoming professionals. No shit. And there's a bunch of other ones. I can't remember what all of them were. But uh, that's it. That's the first half of the 20th century. We're, dating. We're 45 minutes in. Jesus now. Christ. <laughs> well, I, I, and I left a lot out. You could have stuck with like the 1920s. That was good though. That was a lot of a lot of information to digest. I should have just done bundling boards and left it at that. <laughs> but I know what you mean about picking an entire topic that encompasses a whole thing it, it opposed to just a standalone oh. section of time or person because I did something similar. But I'll try to work through it pretty quick. No, take your time. No. <laughs> no. And, and I'll say, like, this was miserable to research. It really was. I had a shit and ton of fun. you'll see why. You're like, yeah, yours was fun. I, I got some, I mean, it sounded horrible. Oh, Pain yeah. in the ass. There was oh, a lot yeah. of negative shit with that. I had fun reading yeah, it. Yeah, this gets, this gets bad. Great. Bring me down, Corey. Yeah, I'm going to bring you right down. <clears throat> All right. Well, son of a bitch. It's another lonely weekend with nothing going on and no hot date on the line. But who cares? You swear you can't hold down a relationship to save your life. Dating is just a hopeless endeavor. And the last time you went out on a date was seven months ago anyway. And that person turned out to be a total loser. So you decide to finally break down and join the estimated 32 million Americans who are utilizing online dating services. You proceed to sign up for that trendy dating app that everyone's using and test your luck out there. To your surprise, within a few hours, you get a match. They're attractive, financially well-off, and they are talking to you. Before you know it, this simple online hookup has turned into a full-blown whirlwind romance. Is it Christian Grey? (laughs) No. Okay. They buy you nice things, they take you to the clubs, and are accepted among friends and family. This is a fairy tale come true. A few weeks later, with Cupid's arrow still sticking out of your chest, your new lover... (laughs) (laughs) What? He killed you? That's Cupid. Oh, fuck. Cupid's arrow. Okay. You know, love. his name. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you got shot with a fucking... You're mark. wounded. Stop dating. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Cupid's arrow still sticking out of your chest. Your new lover starts offering you something more than just drinks when you go hit the clubs. Maybe a little nose candy? Fuck it. Why not? You're in love. Later, they begin <laughs> to ask you to send more and more revealing pictures. A little sexting never hurt, right? Then the profound statements of commitment begin, like, you're the only one for me, and I don't know what I would do without you. Then those statements get a little creepy. You'd better not leave me, and don't worry about your family. I'll take care of you. It's at this point that you need to hit the eject button and run away. Because I hate to tell you this, my friend, 
but you are quite likely being groomed by a human pile of trash who intends to force you into the atrocious world of forced prostitution and illegal sex trafficking. Oh, fuck me. I was wondering <laughs> if that's what you were going to do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. It's miserable. <clears throat> so uh, today's story takes us to everywhere, right now and throughout the past, all over the planet, where we're going to dive into the vile world of trafficking and forced prostitution. These practices aren't a new phenomenon and have been around in one form or another since humans began to walk upright. But in recent years, sex trafficking has been getting mainstream attention, and its wretched underbelly has been getting exposed. It's a business that is worth $100 billion worldwide and pretty much enslaves an estimated 4.8 million people. Holy shit. Most of which being women and underage girls. You see, <clears throat> the romanticized days of walking into a Wild West saloon, slamming a shot of rot gut whiskey, and picking out your hooker for the night have long since passed, for the most part. Today, it has morphed into snorting some meth, rolling through a shady neighborhood, and picking up a streetwalker. Or the tamer version of perusing through the dark web and emailing your prospective escort with a time and place to meet up. Now, the second version has been starting to spill over into everyday people's lives. As I have always said, social media is a gift and a curse. And in the world of forced prostitution, the curse side really shows its ugly head. Traffickers and pimps have been utilizing the internet for decades to set up their call girls with clients. But in the last few years, there has been governmental crackdowns on sites like Craigslist and Backpage, which were notorious for finding prostitutes. Roses. Which... Right? Yes, which I do recall the casual encounter section on Craigslist back in the day, fucking awesome. at least in our area, was some of the funniest shit it was I've great. ever seen. Yes. Now, there was the obvious prostitutes from nearby cities, yeah, uh, but mostly it was just pictures of fat dudes with their cocks hanging out looking for <laughs> some fun, or, or like the kinky couple who had posts like, looking for a stud to bang my wife while I watch. watch me. <laughs> yeah, which, if that's your thing and everyone's consenting, oh, yeah, more power to you. But it's it was just hilarious to f scroll through it and be like, holy fuck, it's just so <laughs> many dicks. But uh, all jokes aside, to no one's surprise, the pimps and prostitutes have all just moved on to other sites and even started using mainstream platforms like Instagram, Facebook, Tinder, and Bumble. This has become such a problem that the FBI has been sending out several PSAs over the last few years on the issue. Also, most dating apps are now warning their legit users about the methods that traffickers use on these sites. Even our tiny Instagram account gets messages from like barely dressed women with brand new accounts asking if we want to check out their private web pages. So it's just like it's a, like robots that they're in, they're obviously porn bots or they could be potentially prostitutes. Okay, uh, more than likely the porn bots but uh, <clears throat> this which brings me back to the intro unfortunately the waste of air humans who prey on vulnerable women and children have developed a system of online grooming that has been taking normal people from good homes and destroying their lives these tactics include establishing a relationship targeting the person's insecurities isolating them from friends and family buying them fancy shit getting seductive pictures or video to use for extortion and usually working in a drug addiction to boot. So it's kind of <laughs> cult mentality. Oh Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is what happened to Chelsea Lancaster, who was by all means a good middle-class kid that grew up in a supportive household. After a rough breakup with her boyfriend and being in a vulnerable state of mind, decided to hop on a dating app to look for love. 
and it wasn't long before she met Mr. Wright. But little did she know, he was about to put her through hell. Her new boyfriend was a real swell guy who would sweet-talk Chelsea and promise her expensive things, but soon enough, he had convinced her to start stripping for extra money. And it wasn't long after that that he was posting ads online to sell her for sex. Under threats of violence against her family and extreme mental abuse, she was forced to sleep with roughly 5 to 10 Johns a day. Those are pretty similar numbers to what Chris has today. She Wait, what? <laughs> Me? I have to try to work in some humor to My this. God. She she would eventually get free from him. You think him. I could take 10 men a day? I know you can. Okay. <laughs> she, she would eventually... You're cutting into my time today, aren't you? <laughs> she, she would eventually get free from him, only to get scooped up by another scuzzbag who ended up pimping her out as well. It only took a few months for an average young girl to get coerced into a life she never thought she would be living. Fortunately... Chelsea has since escaped the life and does speaking events to warn other young adults of her story. Now, a similar experience happened to Jennifer Kempton, whose story does not have as good of an ending. Though she was never approached online, all the grooming tactics were used on her just the same. She met a guy shortly after going through a breakup, and being emotionally vulnerable was swept off her feet. Well, within a year... Her new heartthrob had her addicted to heroin and working the streets so she could pay for both of their drug habits. On one occasion, while out hooking, she entered the wrong car and got kidnapped by a group of men that locked her up in a motel room for weeks and forced her to get gang-raped by a revolving door of John's. She luckily managed to escape and run back to her wonderful boyfriend, who greeted her with a slap in the mouth and then proceeded to trade her off into a violent gang for drugs. Jennifer's life was a living hell, and after years of dealing with that hell, of being bought, sold, trafficked, addicted to drugs, and raped, Jennifer hit rock bottom and attempted to hang herself in the basement of a crack house. But the rope she was using snapped, and with a newfound hope, ran away and tried to reclaim her life. She would go on to escape her captors, get the help she needed, and she started a nonprofit called Survivors, Inc., which specializes in covering up ownership tattoos on former prostitutes. Unfortunately, still battling addiction, Jennifer ended up accidentally overdosing on crack cocaine and died. But her legacy still lives on today through the nonprofit. That's a thing. It is. Tattoos. Yeah, yeah, they have full website. and Oh, yeah, the ownership stuff. I looked at some of it. Like, it's fucking horrible. Like, dude's names, you know, tattooed on your neck, on your tits like everywhere like everywhere it's just it's nasty Jesus. um you see the let's see where was i totally forgot <laughs> sound like you okay one might ask <laughs> why doesn't someone forced into this life just run away call the cops or have their family help them they are after all walking around the streets with a cell phone and the answer isn't always that simple as I said before, there's a level of coercion and extortion that goes along with forced prostitution that makes walking away exceedingly difficult. You see, the tactics these shitbags use to keep people uh, in the world of sex trafficking is appalling. Pimps and traffickers will sometimes force the woman into having a child, then will ultimately hold said child hostage and threaten to kill it as to keep the woman whoring for them. Another bit of extortion, primarily used against underage girls, is filming that person being raped or sexually assaulted so the video can be used as leverage to keep them turning tricks. 
And then there's the drug addictions. A huge number of prostitutes get a drug addiction pushed onto them, usually the highly addictive heroin or crack cocaine. This way, pimps can double dip by selling drugs to their prostitutes, essentially making them only work for drugs and staying in constant debt to the pimp. Oh, yeah, it's fucking wretched. Jesus. But the world of illegal sex trafficking isn't just reserved for the dark alleys and big cities. In my opinion, the worst form of this is taking place right in your own backyard. Right, right now, right now <clears throat> in the well-to-do suburbs and backwoods all over the world, there is young people being raped and exploited for sex as we speak. Utilizing the tactic of traumatic bonding, a fuckhead pile of shit family member or close friend will rape and extort a child or young adult repeatedly to the point they essentially become a slave. Then that family member or friend will start pimping out that child to other scumbags in the area. I spoke with a county social worker who has worked in child services, and she confirmed that forms of sex trafficking and the abuse that go along with it are for sure happening in this area. See, that blows my fucking mind, that shit like that happens. That happens. We've said we from a relatively rural area. Yeah, you wouldn't know. think, like... I don't think about drugs that way. Mm-hmm. I don't... That's insane. Yeah. Yeah, she, she also stated that the uh, online extortion of impressionable youth via social media and chat apps is becoming a bigger issue as time goes on. Seeing as, like, every kid's getting a cell phone and online, you know, they can just fucking... We discussed this yesterday. We did. When we think about kids. Uh huh. I say fuck them. Give them a fucking. Give them a flip phone. Give them don't no, give them an iPod and a life alert. Yeah. That's it. Play <laughs> the and they snake. can't get up. Yeah. These kids will get roped into the traps set by online predators, and it's unfortunate to see. Now all this goes on in our little middle of nowhere Western New York County. So if you don't think it isn't going on around you, don't be so sure. Now, after researching this topic and reading about how some of these scumbag piles of shit have been treating other humans, I can honestly say that if all the people involved with the abuse, extortion, rape, and other horrible shit that goes on in illegal sex trafficking were to plaster the walls with their own brains, I wouldn't be too heartbroken. Fuck yeah. But unfortunately, we're not that lucky. However, fortunately, in the last decade, the world of forced prostitution and sex trafficking has been getting some serious pressure against it. From governments and various nonprofits looking to put an end to it. With community outreach, new policing techniques, and mainstream awareness, things may soon begin to turn around. Another unlikely way <clears throat> that illegal sex trafficking has been getting pressure is by the promotion of legal and safe sex work. Voluntary sex work has been around forever, and the sooner people come to terms with that, the sooner the black markets will take a hit. Mm-hmm. And maybe Chris can get a real job then. Okay, I'm not a <laughs> prostitute. <laughs> I'm not a whore. So next time you complain about getting ghosted or getting stuck with the bill on a bad date, just be grateful that your date didn't rape you, force heroin injections into your arms, and make you have sex with 12 different people that day. The end. Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, this topic was fucking miserable to research. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I did not enjoy any of this. That's it right, was... though. They all need to fucking off themselves. Oh, was yeah. It, was it a... Uh... Was it The Happening, the M. Night Shyamalan movie, where everybody starts killing themselves? Yeah. Can you imagine? If that just happened if just, to... If it just affected yeah. sex traffickers? Traffickers and pedophiles. They all just oh, yeah. jump off of buildings? Yeah. That... Jesus, Corey. Uh, yeah. Happy Valentine's Day, Christopher. What a great topic. I hope nobody's actually... Well, I don't know who was actually listening to this, but I hope nobody's actually listening to this on Valentine's Day. If you are... 
Sorry to ruin your yep. day. <laughs> yeah. Chance you getting you listen to it with your significant other. Any chance of getting laid's probably yeah, out the window. Yeah, that's out the window. It was, man. I'm telling you. Like I told yeah, you that this, sounds horrible. I told you this whole whole time. Like everything I read about it and researched and the documentaries and stuff, it's just fucking ugh. And that's and you're absolutely right as far as it's like anything anything that people had that people do and have been doing for a long time, mm-hmm. that as long as it's consensual it it's perfectly fine but to make like prostitution should in my opinion absolutely be legal i agree yeah 100% you know tax it, consenting safe it, whatever in yeah. nevada right remember the that's what i said yeah like you can go into a bar and get a hooker like yes in nevada and they're tested they like, are they're tested weekly if not daily they i think t- test the people going in i know a i know a guy who went to one and he oh yeah yeah it was expensive but he said it was like he said it was very professional, very clean. You know, and it's because, it was... I mean, with it, it's always going to happen. Oh yeah. So, if it's if it's done behind, you know, out of sight, mm-hmm. that's when women mm-hmm. get hurt. Guys, that's get, when the whoever's abuse involved starts. Gets, exactly. Yeah. They, Bring yeah. it out into the light. Actually, this year in I believe Switzerland has had legal prostitution since the forties. Oh yeah, and this this year they took on the first case of a prostitute who got uh, she got ripped off, she didn't get paid, and normally it was I don't want to say it was a gray area, but because it wasn't a set you know like job title, there was no pay scale or anything. Uh, the courts actually took her case to get her her money. So, I mean, I guess that was a step for the legal side of things, but yeah, the the black market end of things, the you know, the drug addictions, the horrible shit, you know, just... You make shit legit, and then it, it takes it out of the dark, and it's... Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, look what's happening to the... I mean, the, the pot markets in Colorado and California yeah, and the places it's legal. It, for Christ's sake. Yeah. Everybody's doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. What's the big deal? Yeah, I mean, you've been you've been turning tricks for how many years now? <laughs> <laughs> and where am I doing this? I don't You're my... Like two neighbors. I, I had to... Like I had to try to work some jokes into this. I didn't even this. pick on you in just, this. Just because, like, it is. It's just so fucking miserable. But if you would like to learn more about this, there's a BBC documentary on YouTube called Surviving Sex Trafficking, and they actually talk about that Survivors, Inc., and they go to Columbus, Ohio, where a lot of this went on. And, this, and okay. I also read a book on it, uh, Slaves Among Us, from Monique Villa. Do you and, have the book? No, I returned it. Okay. But it was, I mean, it was it was a good book. But they got into sex trafficking, debt bondage, uh, all the various other types of slavery, like the work-related slavery that goes on over in, like, India. Oh, like forced labor? Forced labor, or yeah, labor yeah. camps? Yep. Jesus. So, yeah, I am ready to do a soft serve after this yeah. episode. <laughs> and, like, I, I have, there was some dark shit that I kind of glanced over. Mm-hmm. And I guess I could have made, I'm really glad I did now. I... <laughs> I was gonna do an on uh, oh Jesus Christ, um, young black men in the South about about the time I was talking about uh-huh. um, being lynched for flirting with white women. I've heard of yeah, I've heard of that. Insane. Uh huh. Um, and I mean quote unquote flirting. It could have just been talking. like they said hello. Yep. Yeah. There's all sorts of weird shit. Like even oh, I was reading about all oh, I was reading about the like the gay bars and all that, and they're talking about I guess to this day in. Several states, if you are charged with murder and the person you murdered is a trans person, they can they will oftentimes lower that to manslaughter 
Really? Yep. Because Just... you can claim you were surprised by, <laughs> yeah. You know I don't I mean? mean to laugh, but that's kind it's of fucked, fucked up. That's it's really fucked, fucked yeah. up. I, I uh, mentioned that there were a lot of things that were illegal in the early, like, and, and then reading about this, like, not, it, I kind of, I kind of went into this thinking like, you know, from 2000 to now, mm-hmm. the jump, the strange jump in dating and all that. It's really not. It's, it's, it sounds like a lot it's of it's been changing held. very quickly for a hundred years. It's nothing yeah. new. Um, yeah. Oh, I'll leave it on this note. Why did I put this in here? I was talking about serial monogamy. Yeah. And uh, one of the examples used was uh, Seinfeld, the, the cast of Seinfeld. They were serial monogamists. And ah. over the course of nine seasons, I had to say this. I told me, Andy, I'd throw this in here. Over the course of nine seasons, Jerry had 66 girlfriends. Holy throughout shit. Throughout Seinfeld, throughout the show. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Some good numbers, Jerry. Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> probably, I probably doubled that in real life. And he was Jewish. Yeah. Oh, he was. I. I'm assuming so. I, he's probably still Jewish. Okay. What? <laughs> what I don't know. I was doing the J swipe thing. I was doing oh, the J swipe. Still on the J swipe thing. Yeah. I just okay. I got a kick out of it. <laughs> oh fuck. Well, that. Uh, I guess that concludes our show. For yeah, the most part, stupid. we got our stories out. You can spend the rest of your day glooming and know how I felt for the last two and a half weeks researching this shit. Fuck, man. Yeah, I, miserable. I'm feeling a little icky. Yeah. yeah. I had a lot of food for breakfast, but I'm still feeling. Yeah, it wasn't nice. So I enjoyed yours, though. That was a nice uh, change. It was, like I said, it was miserable. But So we'll leave, I know we're, we're probably over already. We are. I promised cording tubes. Can I just tell you what a cording tube is yes. real quick? So a courting tube, uh-huh. this was during courting and calling, so pre-20th you know, 20th century. Mm-hmm. It's about six feet long. And so the man who was courting the woman, uh, she would run away, and he would whack her with this courting tube and drag her back inside. Come on. No, not really. But it was like... I was going to uh, say, is he a fucking caveman? No, I'm just making that up. <laughs> is he a but caveman? <laughs> Ooga booga. Clunk. Actually, that's not as funny now after your story. Yeah, uh, yeah. You want to talk about beating some women? Jesus. <laughs> no, it was so uh, they were usually being supervised by like a grandmother, father, whatever. So the courting couple would sit on a couch and with somebody between them, so they didn't get too handsy. Uh-huh. So they'd use a courting tube, which I don't know if they were fooling the grandmother, but it would go behind the uh, the chaperone, uh-huh. and the man would put his mouth over. And uh, talk into the girl's ear. She put oh, it in her ear. Whisper sweet nothing. Yes, exactly. Oh, okay. And then when, when, when he was done, he'd take it out of his mouth and stick it in his ear. And then she'd <laughs> put her mouth on the earwaxy end or her side of it and whisper sweet nothing. I mean, how far into your ear do you have to jam the damn thing? I don't think you have to jam. I no. might be exaggerating. But look up pictures of courting tubes. You could taste the wax. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and look up... Uh, uh, it, the 1927 okay. movie. Uh, uh, oh, and I have to say, uh, the invention. Oh, labor of love, the invention of dating. Um, that's what you read. Yes, okay. Moira. I can't remember now. I should have wrote it down. But it was really, it was really good. It's fascinating. Learned a lot. Nice. So feeling a little more empathetic. Sounds. To it from what you just Cliff noted us. It sounded very interesting. It was. Well, is that it? Are we done? I believe that's it for dating. Uh, if you're still here, thanks. Uh, thanks for listening. How far over did we go? Uh, we're about six minutes over. It's not that too bad. bad. What yeah. the hell is anybody else doing? I mean, right. 
who's, who's listening to this and has something who's, to do? Who's, Nobody. Who's still here? <laughs> you and me. Yep. Still, right. still can't quite end this, right? Can no, we? no, which is fine. Anyway, All right. we'll on that see note, everybody in a couple-ish weeks. Couple we'll weeks. Some soft serve coming. Gonna do a soft serve, then March. Super Looking forward one. to March. Yes. Yeah, we got a good topic. We're gonna have fun with that We're one. Laser focus. Yes. Both of us are just yeah. gonna after the yeah. negative shit of this. But uh, thank you for listening uh, again. If you have an Instagram, find us uh, at TS Podcast Official, and that's uh, that's pretty much what I got to say in this episode. So I'm good. All right. Yeah, me too. Well, we'll see you all next time around. Bye, everybody. Bye, bye. Um.